Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Before we get into the Week 13 preview, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, Google Play, all your favorite podcasting platforms. Hit the like button, leave a comment, and turn on the notification bell so you get a notification every time we drop a podcast. Week 13, Colts on the road taking on... The Houston Texans, Texans coming in at four and seven, Colts coming in at seven and four, and a must-win game for the Indianapolis Colts. When you look down the stretch, when you look at all the competition in the AFC, and when you look at the tiebreakers, we lost head-to-head with the Browns, we lost head-to-head with the Ravens. The Ravens have a cakewalk schedule down the stretch of the regular season. We do still play the Raiders head-to-head next week, but we have two games over the next three weeks. With the Texans, I think both games, including the Raider game, I think these three games are must-win games because you really want to get to 11-5 to secure your spot in the playoffs. 10-6 and six could be on the outside looking in, and knowing our history against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Steelers this year are 11-0, even if they were 0-11, I wouldn't love our chances going into Pittsburgh and beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. Say what you want about them. I know a lot of people think and myself included they're not the greatest 11 and 0 team of all time but 11 and 0 is 11 and 0 and we have to go there in week 16 so these games are all must wins in my opinion you could drop one of these four it's probably going to be the Pittsburgh game and then we have Jacksonville week 17 so in my opinion must win game on the road against a 4 and 7 Houston Texans team but they have a quarterback who's pretty damn good, and he's not your typical 4-7 and seven quarterback. When you look at the numbers Deshaun Watson has put up this season, despite losing DeAndre Hopkins in the trade this offseason with Arizona, and despite starting the year with Bill O'Brien before he got canned, and then interim head coach Romeo Cornell took over, and they're playing much better football since he took over. When Bill O'Brien got fired, the Texans were 0-4. They're currently sitting at 4-7, and which means they are 4-3 and since firing. Bill O'Brien. So they're playing much better football. They have a quarterback who is way better than the team record reflects. So we're going to have to go out there and beat the Houston Texans. They're not laying down against us on Sunday. Not at all. It's a divisional game. They're always tough. Luke, before we get into the preview, man, I, I since I didn't get a chance to send my best to uh, Rigoberto Sanchez, I wanted to just send my thoughts and prayers out to him. I, I, I heard the surgery was a success. And I'm just really happy for to, to hear that hear that news. Ryan Allen will will fill in for him while he's out, and also take over his holding duties. But I just really, you know, I didn't get a chance to say that publicly on the last show, and I just wanted to to give my thoughts to him. I know he's beloved in the locker room, and uh, hopefully we can we can get you know we can rally together. I've seen a lot of teams rally around really stupid things. This is a really serious thing. Hopefully our guys will rally around our, our guy number eight and uh, get us to the playoffs so we can come back. Because I think there's a chance that if we get into the playoffs, he'll be kicking again. So prayers to Rigo. Know he's going to get through this. And it's been a rough year for, for Luke and I with guys that wear number eight. Kyle Ripken was diagnosed with cancer earlier in the year, and then now Rigo sadly diagnosed as well. So prayers to those both of those guys. Uh, hopefully – both get healthy soon and uh yeah let's let's get the, we got to get this win for Rigo this week for sure no question no question like you said teams rally around some really dumb stuff and this is big and thank god since the podcast we put up where we talked about the diagnosis 
he has publicly come out and said the surgery was successful. So that's fantastic, and I'm sure the guys are going to rally around him, and there's going to be a lot of positive energy surrounding Rigoberto Sanchez. So thoughts and prayers continue to go to him and his family and his teammates and all the guys. And let's start this off, Jason, on the offensive side of the football for the Houston Texans who come in 17th out of the 32 teams, averaging 24.4 points per game. They've allowed 28 sacks and they have a negative two turnover differential. So they've given up the ball two more times than they've taken away the ball this season and of course they're led by franchise quarterback i believe deshaun watson is a franchise quarterback been there a number of years taking them to the playoffs a couple times and some really poorly coached teams at that 3201 passing yards 68.9 percent completion percentage 24 touchdowns to five interceptions and then 263 rushing yards and a pair of rushing touchdowns. Those definitely don't sound like numbers of a quarterback leading a 4-7 and seven football team. No, not at all. He's still playing really at a high level. He's just been let down by guys around him, uh, and on, on their defense is just not very good. We'll get to that in a minute. But, yeah, he's lost some guys this year. Fuller, right before this game, gets suspended for PEDs. Randall Cobb's injured. Kenny Stills was released. So he's lost some of his bigger-name receiving threats uh he's still got brandon cooks who's got 52 receptions for 719 yards that's a 13.8 yards per reception average with three touchdowns and david johnson comes back this week they get him back he's had 408 yards rushing four yards per carry three touchdowns and 16 receptions 161 yards and one touchdown so he's got some guys to work with but not his full complement of what he usually has other notable guys on this offense that you guys probably have heard of, Darren Fells, tight end, usually plays pretty well against us. Kiki Kuti had a, I think he had a touchdown in the playoff game. Tends to play well versus us, so that's that's another guy we're going to have to watch out for. Kuti hasn't had, had a very big season, doesn't have a lot of exceptions, but those three guys in front of him are the main reason why he just hasn't had that much playing time. And then Jordan Akins is the backup tight end. And then their backup running back is Duke Johnson, and, and we've had some issues with him stopping him in the past. So they've got some players on offense, and it starts with that quarterback, man. He's special out there. Colts are de- going to have to definitely do a good job with him and, and, and rushing him and staying in their rush lanes because he will run. He will run. On, he'll throw on the run, and he'll run to get yards. So, you know, you really got to you really got to be on your P's and Q's when you play him and, you're, and, and fo- be focused in on your rush lanes and, and all that technical stuff that goes into – you know, scheming up your defense to stop a guy like Deshaun Watson. Yep, and taking a look at our keys to the game, key number one, start fast, point blank. You look, the last three games, three tough games, it was part of that gauntlet we talked about all year. Titans, Packers, Titans, 17 points in the first half, zero in the second half, 28 points in the first half, three in the second half, plus overtime. And then last week, 35 points in the first half against the Tennessee Titans. Can't get much more basic, simple, and obvious than key number one, start fast defensively. No question. And, I mean, this has been an issue pretty much all year. I mean, it's really been the one thing, the, the Achilles heel, if you will, of this defense. And, and with Fluce, the thing that's been the biggest issue. I think, and this is just my opinion, I, I would really like to see him come out and be a little more aggressive in this game, especially with 
Deshaun Watson. One thing about Deshaun Watson is he tends to hold on to the ball too long. So it'd be, I, I would really like to see Flus come out and change things up a little in this game and maybe maybe throw some blitzes at him, Kenny Moore, Darius, whoever. Just just to because I'm sure they're not expecting that out the gate. So that would be a good way to start fast, throw something different at them. But in the end, it's all about getting off the field. So the Colts just, as far as I'm concerned, no points, get off the field, or field goals and get off the field. But we cannot give up 28, 35, 23, 20. We, that, that's got to stop, man. You know, I, I would settle for, you know, 13 points at this point in the first half because the way we play in the second half, we usually don't give up more than 7 to 10 points. So if, we score, if they score 20 or 23 points this game, I expect the Colts to win. So – with all that said, point number one remains, key number one remains, start fast. That's key number one. we got to do it. You can't give this team life. You can't give a team that's four and seven life. So we got to start fast on defense and play well early. Key number two, win the turnover battle. Last week, no turnovers against the Titans. And two out of the last three weeks, no turnovers forced, either game against the Titans. So you got to force a couple turnovers in this game defensively. Yeah, again, this is one of those games where I feel like we have the, the superior talent all over the field. Uh, we're getting guys back. So the only way they can stay in the game is if we self-destruct and do things to beat ourselves. One of those things is turning the ball over. So getting the turnovers on defense will make this game much easier for our offense. With Raven Clark out there, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a tough go for our offense, I think. We will make some plays. But as far as the defense goes, winning the turnover battle, forcing more turnovers than we give up, I think is, mo- is, is really important in games like this, especially playing without our left tackle, because I, I think the more opportunities you can give to our offense, the better off we're going to be. So I, I think it kind of goes with the first thing. You know, those, things, those are the things you need to do to beat bad teams. Start fast, win the turnover battle, and you can put them away early. So that's, that's a huge thing to win that turnover battle. And key number three, no big plays. We've been pretty good this year at minimizing big plays. Last week, not the case. You think 69-yard slant taken to the house by A.J. Brown. A number of big runs by Derrick Henry. Can't happen. The Texans are another team, and you look at those Deshaun Watson numbers, even though they're 4-7, and seven, they do hit big plays, and they just don't have the horses this week, at least at the wide receiver position, to hit those big plays. So we cannot give those big plays up this week key number three yeah and i'm just thinking of the last two games we, we've just been a disaster on defense especially early with giving up long pass plays to rogers and and you know a long pass play to Tannehill. i mean big plays all i mean and that's not us that's clearly not us and you can make the excuse that we didn't have our best guys or the and that's a fact in the last game but in the game before that we had our best guys and got lit up so no big plays in this game is key. Limit Deshaun's, you know, limit his ability to run. Stay in your pass lanes. Stay in your run lanes. Just do your job. Limit the big plays. Nothing big downfield. No big runs from running backs. No big, you know, deep throws to Cooks or, or Fells or any of those guys. Just lock it all down. They've got to lock it all down. They do that, they'll be fine in this game. But no big plays. They just can't do it. In the last two weeks, not been good, man. It has not looked like a Matt Eberflus defense at all, and it's certainly not what he wants from them. So definitely got to come out in this game, play well, keep them in front of us, get off the field on third down, and not give up big plays. Yep, and let's flip over now to the Houston Texans defense. 
21st in the National Football League in points allowed, allowing 27 points per game, so just about four touchdowns per game. They have 25 sacks and have only forced eight turnovers, so way less than one turnover per game. They've played 11 games. They've only forced eight turnovers, and I think it was like week four or five where they got their first one, and their first one was totally a self-inflicted turnover. I remember they didn't even really do anything to force it, Whoever the running back had the ball and he just kind of lost it. He just dropped it. There was no forced fumble or anything. He just kind of dropped it, switching hands. So they have not forced turnovers this year. And we'll get more into that when we get into our keys to the game. But when you think Houston Texans defense, you think J.J. Watt. He's been there for how long? He's not that three-time defensive player of the year that he once was, but still a guy, a matchup problem, a guy you have to know where he is at all times because he still has game-wrecking ability, although he doesn't do it as frequently as he might have done it in 2000, let's say 13, 14, back when he was a perennial, not just a perennial all-pro, perennial pro ball. He was a perennial defensive player of the year, which is rare to say. 37 tackles, 7 tackles for loss, 9 quarterback hits, 4 sacks, a pair of forced fumbles, and 1 interception on the year for J.J. Watt, the surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, this defense begins and ends with J.J. Watt, and you know Romeo Cornell is going to be aiming at uh, LaRaven Clark. Uh, He's going to be lined up over LaRaven Clark all this game. We're going to have to help. There's no way around it. The Colts really, I hope, are prepared to chip with tight ends and running backs. Otherwise, J.J. Watt could wreck this game. It's seriously not beyond out of the realm of possibility because he's so physically strong. I mean, I could see him picking LaRaven Clark up and throwing him into Phillip Rivers. That's how strong he is. <laughs> so um, that's, that's, that is – I mean, that guy has got to be kept in check. He's going to make plays, but we have got to keep him off our quarterback – and we've got to do whatever it takes to take care of him in this game. Because if we don't, this game's going to be close. Because he will he will wreck the game. He'll force a turnover. And, and Cornell, for, for all the things I don't like about him, he, he's smart. He will attack our weaknesses right off the bat. And the biggest weakness on our offense is the Raven Clark. But just to get into some of their other defensive personnel, this is not a very good unit, as Luke mentioned. They're very, they're very bad, really. Against they're worse against the run than they are against the pass. But they just lost their best pass defender and Bradley Roby, who's out due to PEDs, so he's gone. So their secondary is bad too now. So they're they're really, I mean, there's not a spot we shouldn't be able to attack on this defense, but. Again, getting into the personnel, you got inside linebacker Zach Cunningham, who's been there for a while now. 110 tackles, leading tackler, four tackles for loss, four quarterback hits, three sacks. Luke mentioned the, you know, J.J. Watt, the guy. Another guy that's given us problems in the past is outside linebacker Whitney Merciless. Hasn't had a huge year this year, 20 tackles, five tackles for loss, six quarterback hits, four sacks. Those two guys, Merciless and Watt, are guys we're just going to have to figure out how to get blocked. We've had issues with them in the past, like I said. I know, I feel like that Merciless will be handled, whether that's by Braden Smith or whoever. I think that that, that's a that's a lesser of the two evils right now. The 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 biggest thing is is JJ. But to wrap up their their personnel that I look at that I see as guys that that have played relatively well for them. Strong safety, Justin Reed's done a pretty good job. And then Vernon Hargraves, the third, 
who came over from, I think, Tampa Bay, has played relatively well for them, too. He's going to have to step up because, you know, no Bradley Roby. I think you'll see a lot of Lonnie Johnson out there. I think their second-round pick from a couple years ago. So uh, they've got some decent players on defense. Most of them are up in years, Merciless, Watt. And then some young guys, too, mixed in. But honestly, it's just not that great of a defense. The Colts should be able to move the ball, provided, one, they can block J.J. Watt, two, they can run the ball. And if they can do both of those things, I feel like they should win this game, and it shouldn't be too much of a problem. But we all know when your game plan is dependent upon LaRaven Clark holding his own against J.J. Watt, it's probably going to be a close game. So, those are, those are the Houston defenders. We all know the one that stands out. We all know the guy that we got to stop. They have to know where he is at all spot, at all times on offense. All the linemen have to know because he's gonna, I'm sure they're going to line them up all over the place. But at the end of the day, they're going to line them up over, over LaRaven Clark the most, and we're going to have to find a way to get them blocked. So that's the Houston defense. The personnel wrapped up. They're, they're not as good as they used to be. Obviously, they're a 4-7 four, four team. They haven't really played well all year on defense. So – I expect our offense to be able to exploit not only their passing or their running game or their lack of ability to stop the run, but also now their pass defense without Roby out there. Uh, I think it's going to be – I think we pick and choose what we want to do, really. So comes down to just stopping that one guy, slowing him down. That happens. We'll be able to do whatever we want. Yep, and taking a look at our keys to the game for the Colts offense, key number one, establish the run. The Texans, awful against the run, one of the worst teams in the National Football League. Establish the run and keep the Texans off balance, key number one. Absolutely. They they, they have been abysmal against the run. We should be able to run with Taylor this week when we get back off the COVID list, which is great. We get, we're getting a lot of guys back this week, everybody except, I think, AC and a couple guys on defense, but... You establish the run, you keep the Texans off balance. The thing I'd like to see this offense do this week with a team like this is you, you establish the run, and when you've really got them you know, panicked and really got them up against the wall with, with, with your running game, run a play action. Go play action and see, and see what happens. I mean, the Colts really haven't done a lot of play action this year, and I think this is a game where they can open it up a little bit, run a little play action, because I think they're going to be able to run the ball, knock on wood, if I can find wood because <laughs> we haven't run on anybody this year, but nah. no, I'm serious. If you could run the ball this week, I think that'll set up play action and it'll allow Phil to do a lot of things and also keep, keep 99 off of them. That's the key. Keep it yep. 99 off of them. So yeah, the, the and first people, key Jason, people are going to forget because we are a week removed, but Jonathan Taylor, although he did not play because of the COVID, at least the COVID scare, the close COVID contact tracing to his girlfriend did not play last week. He had his best game of the year against the Packers. Let's hope he could build off of that Absolutely. now going up against arguably the worst rush defense we'll see all year against the run. Absolutely great point, Luke. Absolutely. Yeah, I really hope that that week didn't slow him down. He really, he really, despite the number, whatever the numbers may be, he might have had better number games. He really, he showed me a lot in that Green Bay game. Like, okay, like the light's starting to come on. So, I think he could have a huge game. I think he could run for 100 yards. I think our offense could, you know, drop. I think our offense could drop mid 30s on this defense. I don't think they're very good at all, but you know, you got to go out there and you got to block. You got to do your job. And the Colts, you know, in the second half of that game last week, and in part of the first half, they didn't. They didn't do their job. They got to do their job this week, and that starts with stopping 99. LaRaven Clark's got to, you know, be on his p's and q's, and they got to help him. But definitely. 
keeping running, running the ball and keeping them off balance. And I think being able to utilize play action will be a huge advantage for the Colts in this game because I think they will be able to do it. Key number two, you just touched on it. Protect Phillip Rivers. Keep the pocket clean. That's key number two. And it's going to be tough because, honestly, Jason, I look at this game. Healthy Anthony Costanzo, I'm thinking 30-plus points easily. We might score every time we touch the ball because they're down their top cover corner in Roby. They haven't been able to stop the run all year long. They're giving up damn near four touchdowns per game, and we scored 30-plus in four out of five before last week's game against the Titans. And then you could say the same thing last week against the Titans. We might score damn near every time we touch the ball until Costanzo leaves. Two possessions, two touchdowns, right down the field at ease. It was about to be a track meet. And then all of a sudden, Costanzo goes down. Pressure comes from the left side against a team that doesn't even get pressure on the quarterback. And there's constant, relentless pressure the second LaRaven Clark leaves the game. Then you look at this game, you're going up against a Hall of Famer in J.J. Watt. And you know they're going to line him up over there and they're going to just feast on LaRaven Clark. So key number two is huge. I think key number two is the difference between you know this game being a Colt free-for-all offensively, 30-plus points, an easy day, and what we saw against the Titans in the second quarter and so on after Costanza went down. So key number two is really the difference, and I'm talking mainly about one guy in one spot, the difference between this offense having a great day and having what we saw second quarter and on against the Titans. Yeah, the only good thing about you know, the, about the J.J. watt LaRaven clark matchup is we've had a week to prepare for it. You know, that happened in-game, so you just got to go with what you got. Yeah, now but, they've got but it. we could play devil's advocate and say before the Browns game, we had a full week to prepare for Miles Garrett, and LaRaven clark was awful in that game. So he's been awful every time we've seen him. He was awful in that game. He was awful at right tackle when he had to play for Braden Smith. And he knew all week that he was going to have to play for Braden Smith, or he knew that there was a chance he would have to play for Braden Smith with a thumb injury. And then last week enters the game for Costanza. So it doesn't seem to matter if he's on the right, if he's on the left, if he has a week to prepare, if he has no time to prepare. He's just been awful every time we've seen him on the field. Well, the only thing I would say to that, and you're right, what you said is true. The only thing I would say to that is the defenses that they were playing were better all around. The Cleveland defense was better than... I mean, those are top. I think Cleveland's a top ten defense. The, the the Packers aren't great, but they're better than what we're. They're, they're better than Houston. Houston really has one guy, and that one guy is Watt. And it scares the, the reason why this matchup actually scares me as much as the Garrett one does, is because JJ Watt is so strong. And yes, the Raven has long long arms, and that's his thing or whatever. But it doesn't matter when you go against power rushers. He will literally throw him. And so the Colts have to. It's a Imperative that either Mo Alleycox or Jack Doyle, every play that he's lined up over the Raven Clark, they have got to chip him. He's got to be chipped every single time. And if he gets near the quarterback, then the damn line, then the damn running back's got to chip him too, or just outright pick him up and block him. Because it, I'm telling you right now, the only way I think the only way this game really gets close or really we're really in trouble is if he gets to Rivers and he Rivers fumbles the ball and there's a pick, you know, they pick it up and run it in for six or 
something like that happens, something crazy like that happens, we have to avoid that at all costs. We can't get backed up at the one-yard line and be in a position where we're single blocking J.J. Watt and running a deep pattern from the one yard. That can't ha- He can't do that again. So bottom line for the second key of this game, keep the pocket clean. You do that by being able to run the ball so that they can't just pin their ears back, and you do that by being able to get rid of the ball quick. So if we can do those two things and LaRaven can just slow him down, slow him down enough that we can get the pack. Because I think we'll be able to get open relatively quickly against this defense. I think we'll be okay. So keeping 17 clean is, is very important in this game. Probably, besides the last thing, the most important thing. Yep. Key number three, no turnovers. We are 4-0 when we don't turn over the football. We are 3-4 and when we do turn over the football. We're playing a defense that's only forced eight turnovers all year. Do the math. It's very, very simple. It's very, very basic. Don't turn over the football. You're going to win this game. I mean, Luke, you know, I couldn't have said it better, man. That's it. That's it. It's that simple. Don't turn the ball over. We don't turn the ball over. We win the game. That's simple. Yep, and if they don't force a turnover, they're going to lose the game. Look at Watson's numbers. 3,200 yards, a little bit shy of 70% completion percentage, 24 touchdowns to five picks, almost 300 rushing yards, a couple rushing touchdowns. Those aren't numbers of a quarterback leading a 4-7 and seven football team. But the defense only has eight takeaways. Eight takeaways, and they are minus two in that department with a quarterback who's only thrown five picks to 24 touchdowns. So when you look at the quarterback, you don't see a four and seven quarterback. You see a quarterback who's going to carry a team to at least nine, ten wins. But that's not the case, and it's mainly not the case because of the defense and then a subdivision of the defense, the turnovers, and then everybody knows the story with the Colts when we – Hold on to the football. We win. When we turn the football over, we're a 500 or a sub-500 football team. And you know what time it is, Jason. It's time for our For the Culture (laughs) Predictions. Week 13, Colts at Houston. Well, you guys know the rules, and I say it every week, but I will say this about this game. I think I I really have a lot of respect for Deshaun Watson. I think that organization's done him dirty the way they've given away their draft picks and basically given him nothing but old people to work with. Literally, their entire team is just old. I'm not making my prediction based on that. I just wanted to say that. I have a lot of respect, and and Deshaun Watson's still playing at a Pro Bowl level, and I expect him to play well Sunday. And I think, you know, based on that, I'm going to pick the Texans because them's the rules. So Because I know Deshaun's a great player, and uh, I have to pick them based on the situation that I'm in. I'm going to take the Texans. The Colts are 1-12 without Anthony Costanzo or one in 11 in the 12 games without Costanzo. So that's, that's the math I would use if I were you. I don't want to even bring that up. I don't even want to speak on that, that, that horrible record because I want the Colts to win. Damn it. So that's why I'm taking Houston because I want the Colts to win. I'm going to take the Colts, but this is not going to be a cakewalk. This is not your average four and 17. If we played every team in the league, who's four and seven, I think we sweep the board on Sunday. The one team that I think could give us problems is this team. A, because the quarterback is just not your average, as I've said three times already, he's not your average 4-7 and seven quarterback of a 4-7 and seven football team. He's just not. They have the spark still from Romeo Cornell. 
coming in for Bill O'Brien. If Bill O'Brien was the head coach, I'd feel a little bit differently. We will not see DeAndre Hopkins. This will be the first matchup, Colts-Texans, where DeAndre Hopkins is not the number one receiver unless we've played them in the past where he's missed a game. But he's been pretty healthy the last few years, and I think he's played in every matchup we've seen them, including the playoff game in 2018. So that's obviously a huge devastating as we are now 11 games into the season, so it's not new news. But no DeAndre Hopkins for the first time in the Colts-Texans head-to-head history. So I'm taking the Colts. I'm a little hesitant because Deshaun Watson's that good and because of the fact that Anthony Costanzo's not playing. 1-11 in in games where Anthony Costanzo hasn't started. And this is not 2021 where we're going to have a stud backup left tackle. Next year, if Anthony Costanzo goes down or Braden Smith goes down, it's going to be like, ah, damn, that sucks. But I can't wait to watch blank because of his upside and because he's probably going to be the starter in 2022. So we're not there yet. Unfortunately, we're as far as could possibly be with Raven Clark getting the start. But I still believe we're going to do enough. I think we're going to win the game. And I think the line was three or three and a half. I think we're going to cover that number. And we got T.Y. going last week. So let's see T.Y. now going to his home away from home where he plays his best football. They're down their number one corner. I think it's going to be a good opportunity for T.Y. to get going again. Maybe hit 100 yards for the first time this season. Find the end zone for the second time this season. So I'm taking the Colts in this game. Thank God you're picking against the Colts in this game. I think we're all happy about that. And we will see what happens on Sunday, Jason. It's a big one. It's a must win for the Colts. And that's, I think, one of the key fundamental differences in this game. The Colts are playing for a playoff spot. And the Houston Texans are playing to give the Miami Dolphins a worse first-round pick. Yeah, I mean, that, that organization is set up in, in, to fail for the next few years. And, again, back to Deshaun Watson. I feel bad for the kid because he deserves better. But, you know, he he basically walked into a Indianapolis Colts circa 2012 type of situation with, with, uh, with, with Bill O'Brien basically acting as two people that were in Indianapolis, Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson. But just a couple of things I want to, before we wrap it up, that I want to mention just about the personnel and stuff, again, for the Texans, Will Fuller is out. Wide receiver Will Fuller is out. He has killed us every time he's played us. He's fast. We have a problem with him. He will not play. Randall Cobb, another solid veteran receiver. He will not play. Kenny Stills has been released, so he will not play. Bradley Roby on their defense, their best corner by far. He's out. PDs, so he will not play. Now for the Colts, just so you guys know, Kari Willis, Bobby Okariki, both out. I expect Zaire Franklin to fill in for Bobby Okariki. I expect Tavon Wilson to fill in for Kari Willis. Obviously, Rigoberto Sanchez is out, so Ryan Allen will punt for the Colts. He's left-footed. He's punted. He's made Pro Bowls, I think. He's a solid He's a solid punter. He yeah, should be three-time Super down. Bowl champ. He won those yeah. most recent three yeah. Super Bowls with the Pats. Yeah, and he's a left-handed kicker or left-footed kicker, and so that's that's good. That creates some problems for some returners, so that's good. He's got a pretty strong leg, and so I think he's going to hold it down fine till we get our guy back. And I think he's going to hold on on extra points and field goals. That's one thing to keep an eye on. Will be like how the field goal procedure goes. How the you know is there any snafus or whatever? Because they don't have a lot of timing. They haven't worked together. 
So it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. I don't think it'll play a big difference, but it's just something to, to keep an eye on. So there's guys in, guys out. And before you know, I wrap it up, we're, we are getting DeForest Buckner back. That is huge. We're getting Danico back. That is huge. We're getting Jonathan Taylor back. That is huge. And we're getting Ryan Kelly back. That is huge. So you look at all that, the Colts that are going to be added to playing in this game, and you look at all the Texans that have been subtracted from this game, the Colts should really win this game. Yep. And I just want to shine a light real quick on Will Fuller, who was having a tremendous season. It was probably because of the performance-enhancing drugs. But he had 53 receptions, 879 yards, and 8 touchdowns in 11 games. So those are DeAndre Hopkins-esque numbers through the first 11 games for the Texans. But, and he's killed the Colts in the past. But he was on PEDs. The corner was on PEDs. And when you get busted, you have to pay the price and the consequences. And the consequence for both guys will be season-ending suspensions because that'll be through, I think, six games each. So we're 11 games in. So that'll be the rest of the season for both guys, including both games against the Colts week 13 and again in two weeks after we see the Raiders in week 15. And I hate the way the NFL did this, Jason, where we have Jags 1 and 17. We have Titans 10 and 12. And then we have Texans 13 and 15. To me, that doesn't make any sense. Why do you have one season series with 16 weeks separating them? And then you have one week separating each of your other two divisional matchups and a two more important divisional matchups because coming into the year everybody wrote off the Jaguars after they beat us in week one of course but the other two teams we came into the season expecting to go down to the wire with the Titans and then most people we thought that the Texans would probably fall off because of O'Brien but most people if you pulled them they would have said Colts Titans Texans one or two out of those three teams is going to make the playoffs. And to have everything jammed together like that for the Colts didn't make any sense. Yeah, what's the typical NFL bullshit with us? You know, we don't get any home primetime games, and we always are on the road in the division in a short week, blah, blah, blah. You know how it goes, Luke. You know how they do us. I mean, that's the way it goes. We get a crap, you know, the crappy end of the stick when it comes to this schedule basically every year. You just go out and play the games, man. We just got to take one game at a time. Find a way to win it, whether it's ugly, pretty, whatever. Just find a way to win one game at a time. Let's go 1-0 this week. Let's bring that mantra back, 1-0. Let's go 1-0 this week, get this win for Rigo, and then worry about next week after this week. But we got to get this win on Sunday, start our final march to the playoffs. I still believe this is a playoff team. I still believe it's a very good football team. I don't think the team we saw last week is representative at all of our defense or our entire team. But it is what it is. That's what it was. Game's over. We move on. Now we're on to Houston. Focus one at one game, one game at a time. One and zero. Let's get this shit for Rigo, man. We got to get this one. Yep, yep. Pray for Rigoberto Sanchez. Rigo strong. That is the goal this week. Go one and zero. Win for Sanchez. Let's bring home this dub, and then we see him in a couple weeks after the Raiders, which is going to be another huge game for the Colts as pretty much everyone is down the stretch. This has those 2018 feelings again, where we needed to win every game, but that team started off two and five. This team started off five and two. And then before last week we were what seven and three. So 
A 7-3 team, one week removed from their fourth loss of the season, shouldn't be in such must-win territory unless you're trying to win a division. But just to make the playoffs, we're in must-win, must-win, must-win mode because the AFC is so talented, so jam-packed, and our losses just came to the wrong teams. We lost to the Ravens, who have a cakewalk down the stretch. We lost to the Browns head-to-head we do still play the Raiders so that'll be a big head-to-head and then we don't see Miami but all the teams that we're bunched up with the teams we've already played we've lost to and then the team and then for the division even though we're a game back we're really kind of a game and a half back because you throw the season series out the window with the Titans because we split and then you look at that Jaguar loss and it puts us half a game back on top of the game we're already trailing them by so the way all these tiebreakers are working out it's not looking good for us. Plus, 4-0 in the NFC and sweeping the NFC North is awesome, but it also means that when you come down to AFC record, if you have the same record as anybody, chances are they lost one of their NFC games and they're going to have a better AFC record than you. And there's a whole bunch of different, there's a trillion different tiebreakers and the Colts so far not looking great in any of them. But we still control our own destiny, which is great because there's so many games left. If you go and you run the table and you're 12 and four, you're gonna make the play. At 12 and four, we probably go on to win the division, because I think you know there's a chance at that. Or 12 and four is gonna guarantee you at least a wild card, and 11 and five I think is gonna guarantee you a wild card. And then 10 and six, you could still get into the playoffs with a wild card. So a lot of stuff, a lot will play out over the next couple weeks, and you still have a lot of head to heads. Like we play the Raiders head to head. You have this weekend Titans-Browns head-to-head. Somebody has to lose that game, and regardless, it's going to be good for the Colts. So it'll be a good weekend. It'll be a jam-packed weekend, a lot of games to keep an eye on, different teams, keep an eye on Miami, keep an eye on the Raiders, even though I think the Raiders play the Jets, so it's basically a bye week, Titans-Browns. So a lot to keep an eye on this weekend. That's my man Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, guys. Enjoy the game on Sunday. And we'll be back Sunday night to break it down right here on the For the Culture Podcast.